0: you getting on, you will. All right. All right. I'm Jaws. <laughs> it's me, Jaws. Tell you what, Jaws... This, this is how Jaws would sound uh, doing a podcast. Because <laughs> he couldn't breathe. He couldn't breathe up here. Unless it was like... <laughs> I don't know. What would he be like? I don't know what it would be like. But... um. Here's a joke for you. This is a joke. It's one of these jokes that is, sh- is shit. <laughs> it's one of these jokes that's as shit as the, you know, where's your manners over the wall picking up shite. This is another one of the old jokes, right? Um, and it was, I, I when I tell you the, the setup, you're going to think you're misremembering that joke, right? But I'm not. This was the joke about Jaws. And it was said to me, I think, when I was in maybe second or third year by a good few people. It was get it was getting the rounds, right? Uh doing the rounds. <clears throat> and it's just it's just a five word setup, right? And this is this is the joke. <clears throat> what does gay jaws sing? <laughs> what does what does gay jaws Bruce the shark jaws if he was gay? sing. And I'm giving that a lot of, you know, I'm filming a lot, because, you know, it's not like, you can't say where does Die Hard go for a pint, you know? You can't say that shit like that, do you know what I mean? Where does um what what was Brave Hearts? No, that, that actually was his name. Whatever. Anyway, back to, what does Gay Jaws sing? <clears throat> Da-da. Da-da. I love you, baby. And the rest of it. Do you like it? Do you like that one? Do you like that joke? So let's break that down. What does Gay Jaws sing is the setup. And the punchline is a mix of John Williams' score from Jaws and You're Just Too Good To Be True by Frankie Valli. It's 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 mind-blowing, isn't it? Like, if you're trying to... So, okay. Jo- Bruce the Shark, Jaws, okay, is, is now... Uh, is now for, for, just for the sake of this joke, just to get it down to five words or less in terms of the setup, we can't say the shark from Jaws. We have to say what does... What does if we can't say if the shark from Jaws was a homosexual, a homosexual man. I'd have to say because you know the shark sharks not singing, right? If if okay, hang on. If a gay man, anamorphed into uh, no, I have to get into uh, anyway. What would he sing? Presumably whatever you know, uh, but he wants to sing. Duh, 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 And that's not even where... That's not even... No one sings that part. So you're also taking the musical score from John Williams' incredible, haunting, terrifying uh, score from Jaws, which is an orchestral piece, mixed mixed in with the build-up to the orchestral piece of Frankie Valli's You're Just Too Good To Be True, made famous by Andy Williams. And then you've got him singing, not even like... I am so hungry... (laughs) Or, um, you're just going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, nothing even in that, you know. You're you're going to need a bigger boat. I hope that you humans float. <laughs> I'm going to bite off your ass. <laughs> Smoke it up your ass's grass. He rhymes ass again you know of whatever you know that's gay jaws what does gay jaws famously uh, say um and frankie valley wasn't gay andy williams wasn't gay not that there's nothing wrong with that as we know uh, gay people or people at least who have a, of of a, of a more ambiguous sexual orient orientation <laughs> gay chinese people that's what i'm saying gay chinese people right way better, way better jokes no 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 you can't say you don't say orient anymore unless that's in the name of the chinese take away tell you what though a turnip a turnip for the books um i tell you there was a bloody root uh, a bloody root vegetable in uh, in in the dictionary because it was a turnip from for the books fuck off fuck off fuck off the shit that's worse than fucking gay jaws there was a turnip for the books where my wife, my wife, um, my partner Terry, um, I was looking after the little man, and Terry, in a turn up for the books, came in drunk, and I had you know this is that's the whole story. She came in drunk, and quite frankly, I don't know if I can no. She came in and she said we should get a Chinese, and I tried to I played it, I played it, it so cool. And I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you want it, whatever you want to get. And I was like sweating out my fucking eyes just trying to play it cool because I thought if I if I scare this away, you know, it's going to run off into the night like a fucking kunini, you know. So I was like, All right, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And she goes, Why what, what do you want to get? And I'm like, oh, look, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever you want to get. And I'm telepathically shooting a fucking bazooka at her head saying chicken balls um, like all the makings of uh, Mega Box like chicken balls uh, uh, salt and chili salt and chili chicken uh, chips curry sauce rice I'm shooting that into her head and somehow somehow in her drunken vibe she picked up on my frequency and she suggested everything on the list and she went down got the Chinese again Played it. I played it so cool I didn't put everything I didn't do the Olympus Mons if you're a new listener of the podcast, if you're a new listener of the podcast, I love eating Chinese, and I want to secretly go off in the car and eat Chinese on my own because I don't want my wife seeing see me eating Chinese, right? Although we do eat Chinese on occasion together, right? But whenever I suggest it, I feel, like, I feel like I'm suggesting anal or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like even though she'd probably be up for it, probably up for it all. You know I am I don't keep like get into that shit. I don't need to get into that shit. I'm just saying, that whatever. She, <laughs> she'd be into the Chinese. We'll, we'll leave. they will draw the line at that, right? She'd be into the Chinese, but I feel like I'm suggesting like we fucking, you know, we we get into uh, an a a, a <laughs> an open relationship or something like that. So, but she suggested. It. I'm like, yeah, I played it cool. So then when she, so I love Chinese, right? Uh, I also normally when I get the Chinese because I want to eat it fast before anyone finds me because I love shamefully eating on my own. I, I pile it on top of a big plate on its own and pour curry sauce all over it. And uh, I, I call it the Olympus Mons of Chinese, which, of course, famously is the largest, the largest mountainous peak uh, in the galaxy or so we know on Mars. So I didn't do the Olympus Mons. In fact, I took out like a, I took out an actual little saucer. Right. And I'm just like, no, I'm just going to do one spoon again. Playing it cool in case I don't know. Like, whoa, she wouldn't even judge me. My wife doesn't judge me. Right. But I was so and then I was like, oh, I might just I might just go back for seconds. Anyway, safe to say, I polished off the whole, the whole bloody lot. <laughs> safe to say, I polished off the whole bloody lot. Saucer at a go. Uh, saucer of curry. Yes, please. You know, that's what my wife says to me when I'm being catty. Uh, saucer of curry, because I'm anyway. So that was great. That was lovely. Um <clears throat> So that's what I did. That's what I did on Friday. I uh, No, Saturday. I gave the wife night off. Her hanging out with the friends. I looked after the little fella. And he was fucking, he was fucking. I pleaded with him at one point. I pleaded with him. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. But we had just come back from a barbecue. And, uh, and, you know, he was being his best boy. He was being a handsome boy. He was looking like a big cutie boy. And, you know. Because a lot of our friends don't have kids, we have to like we give him like a pep talk before he goes in being like, you better not fucking scare them into having kids. We've got a fucking tenuous link with our old life as it fucking stands. If you chase away this, I fucking don't think I'll ever forgive you. Right. Just screaming at him in the car before we got out. And luckily he heeded the warning. Um, you know, because we're trying to, I told you, like, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're, we're lemmings jumping off a fucking cliff with the kid, right? We are just walking off a cliff, and the only respite as a new parent you have is just seeing someone else go through the same shit that you went through. And it doesn't even make you feel better, but it makes you a little bit better, makes you feel a little bit better, relieved. (laughs) So we're trying to be like, you know, we're trying to entrap new people into this Ponzi scheme that is parenting. Um, and so he was in his on his best behavior, but he was a bit overly stimulated. He was a bit over, overly stimulated. So um, he, he was and I was there bopping him in his little bopper. And I'm just similarly with the fucking telepathic bazooka. Actually, no, I wasn't even telepathic. I was just saying out loud to him, please, please, you know, <laughs> which doesn't um, which doesn't really give away that I'm in huge control. Like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't give off the air that this is a dad who knows what he's doing. You know, it doesn't give off that that vibe because it is vibes, you know. You know me, like, I'm a bit of a fucking tree hugger. You know me, I'm a bit of a fucking energy uh, aficionado, (laughs) whatever. Um, So, like, you can think, and it's every time you know deep down, it's like like when you have the energy to be like, I know you're probably going to cry for three minutes, and I'm fine with that, but after that three minutes, you're probably going to calm down. You know, when you know that deep down. But then when you're trying to fake that energy to be like, It's going to be fine. It's going to stop at any moment. He can pick up on that. It's not even what you say. It's not. Look, it's nonverbal. It's 80 percent of uh, 80 percent of communication is nonverbal or whatever it is. I don't fucking know. Um, But I was trying, you know, I was trying. And the next morning I made it up to him, you know, gave him a big kiss and a cuddle, you know. And I said, look, I am going to I am going to try and be a better. I'm going to try and, you know, be more of the morning dad. Morning dad's fucking loving everything. Morning dad is like, I'm here. I'm attentive. How are you? Oh, are you a bit sad? You know, evening dad is just like, where's, you know, should be still, I should still be at that barbecue, man, <laughs> like, you know, anyway, um, what am I talking about? How long have we been talking here? Do you know what? I'm going to go into the intro now and then I'll, and then I'll, you know, break and then I'll break you off a piece. I got loads for you here. I'm not going to be talking shy at you. I'm going to tell you about how I went to the hairdressers. I'm going to tell you about how uh, I was part of an actual art piece with uh, Tony's name in the corner, Lancam uh, in their uh, national disgrace I was on their I was in the in the national stage treading the boards of the Abbey right tell you about that um, and I'll tell you about Um, oh I, I was thinking this on the way in here I was thinking because uh, I was writing back to an email and I was thinking that there's a lot of skills that I picked up in my city boy wide boy London sales job that I actually probably still apply to various things in my personal and business life and I thought you know what I might try and give you a top five. Top five things from Wide Boy Tommy. Oi! Oi! Just because they don't like your clubber doesn't mean they don't like you. That's one of them. A little sneak peek. That's one of them. So, Wide Boy Tommy's going to be coming in here uh, to teach you some sales tips and how you can apply them for your own life and we've got loads coming up we haven't done the rebrand yet that's coming up next week we're doing a rebrand it's not a rebrand but we're just renaming the, t- uh, the, the podcast it's not a TV show who the fuck do I think I am it's a podcast um, and that'll be coming up next week so I don't even know why I brought that up now but anyway we got loads <laughs> we've got loads coming up on the pod all of this and more today on Tony Cantwell's shit show it's Oh, lovely stuff there. Welcome back to the show. This is Tony Cantwell. It's coming up to nine a.m. here. This is Tony Cantwell, and the Breakfast Browsers uh, <laughs> on Spin One Hundred Three FM, uh, Speed One Hundred Three, presumably about eight. Is the Breakfast Browsers? What are you? What are you? What are you? What are you wearing? What, are you, what kind of color panties have you got on? This is Tony. <laughs> this is Tony Cantwell here with the Breakfast Browsers, asking to like get out of here. Um, look, I'm bit, I'm just. I'm just too fucking wild. That's why they don't have me on radio. Like you know. It's, Oh, God, And they ask me, they'd be asking me, oh, that everyone asks me to be on the radio, but I'm like, do you know what I mean? Ugh, I what? So so what, you can tell me not to say, fuck. So what, I go on there and I say, I can't say it when I tee it up, the C word. You know, I tell you, the only fucking, the only fucking C word you know about is getting the fucking ferry out to bloody Calais. <laughs> That's when you're a C word. That's the only C word you know about, is you getting this ferry out to Calais, which doesn't, you don't do. You don't get that from here you go Dover to Calais. That's, that's You don't even know about the C-word. You You know so little about the seaward that you think it's a ferry from Dun Laoghaire to Calais. There, I fucking found it at the end. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm just a, I'm just, you know, uh, breakfast radio's cool and all that, man, but I'm just kind of a bit of a diamond. I'm like a diamond, and you know what happens when you put a diamond in a square peg, square hole? Um, it fits sometimes depending on the cut of the, the diamond, if it's not hexagonal or if it's square, but for the most part, doesn't fit, doesn't fit. I'm just not a good fit for that, you know what I mean? I just love being untethered. Don't hold me down. Don't be holding me down, sucking your finger, putting it in my ear and tell me it's pissing. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I just, <laughs> I just don't, you know, I don't know, look, I'm only having it. Radio's tough. Radio is tough, in all seriousness. People who do radio, it's a tough gig. It's a tough racket. Um, having to do, having to not be able to, because I tell you, there's, there's no difference between, between me uh, and someone who does the radio, or you. It, it, you, you swear, you know. You swear. You talk about dirty things, you know. You probably have. You probably have some mess. The, similarly, myself and people on the radio and people who are on RTE doing the news probably all have problematic WhatsApp picture messages in there somehow. I'll tell you this though: if you were, to, if someone was to go through, how much would how much would right your relationships with the people around you change if your WhatsApp. If, if someone went through uh, the contents of your worst WhatsApp group uh, picture messages, wh- how would you know? Would you keep your job? Would you keep your job? You know, I don't, I don't do that anymore. You know, I don't. I used to have mad shit. I am not going to go into it, but I used to have mad shit on the old WhatsApp. And I just luckily we're, we're a bunch of soft boys now. You know, we're a bunch of softies. We don't have that. In, but you know, anyway, what I am saying is that we're all one and the same. Do you know what I mean? I am sure the Queen. Uh, fuck the fucking, yeah, I'm sure the fucking, yeah, we're not, yeah, yeah, we're all the same eating fucking, liz- eating, leading, not we're not eating lizards unless she's eating her fucking young, unless she's eating her young, we're all the same eating, big bowl of fucking blue botlios, is it, with a bit of milk, is it, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> we're not all the same, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know what I'm talking about, but yeah, man, I'm untethered, man, I'm untethered, you know what I mean, at the end of the day, that's why I can't, I know I've gone, back onto that we're not we're, we are we're all the same it's just and let me tell you this as well people who work in ads get yourself in the ads right people who work in ads and if you are listening to like a radio ad and you think and you you know you get the eye roll like even simpsons had a joke about it you know where it's like hey you know that that an, the, those annoying ads where two people with irritating voices just talk and talk and then homer i think like, i invented those and then homer punches them in the face yeah you get all the time um <clears throat> I think I'm messing that up, and it it shames me beyond anything you can comprehend that I don't have exactly my Simpsons quotes down anymore. Like you know, I, I used to like uh, that was my like to to the extent of me being a frigid for too long. But I would rather communicate in Simpsons quotes, and like I would laugh along to other people get the quoting Simpsons and then correct them. Now I'm just an embarrassment. I'm just an embarrassment. But what I'm saying here is people who work in the ads, right? And you listen to those ads. Every single, pretty much every ad that I've now, nah, nah, do I want to be cutting ties? I'm not. No, this isn't. I'm just. I'm going to spill the tea. Tony's tea. Tony's tea corner. That's me supping a tea. Spilling. Don't spill that. Um. I'm. Oh, I am. Uh, <laughs> why am I saying I am? Oh, yeah. No, I suppose I am. I do void voiceover sometimes. And let me tell you this. The people who write these ads, I know you might listen to radio ads and you might listen to these things and you might kind of roll your eyes and be like, oh, you know, uh, the people who write these ads are incredible copywriters. A lot of them I call personal friends. OK. And they're incredible, prolific copywriters who probably in their own time are writing some incredible stuff. They write incredible ads. I'll tell you what happens to the ads. It's can you make the logo bigger, or whatever the you know copyright equivalent is for for uh, you know an agency where they just it starts off with a beautiful canvas, something completely original is done. And understandably, and I don't think it's anyone says it necessarily in the brand, but there's probably eight people that has to go through, all of which have to voice an opinion to save their job, <laughs> you know at the end of the day. And what happens is that beautiful canvas and what you can talk about on an ad turns into the size of a pixel. And so it is a marvel. That funny ads still appear, uh, and that um, you know, uh, you know that, that's the point. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to say. It's 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 a marvel that good ads still can be made because of how confined copywriters have to be. Uh, I did a oh, I did a I'm not in, I'm not in here. I did a voiceover um, there uh, last Friday, and. <laughs> and normally when you do a voiceover, right? I did two voiceovers. I did one uh for Burger King for the new um Burger King app, right? Even though I'd gone in there with a I'd gone in there with a McDonald's coffee, right? You know, fucking, you know, oh sorry about that, sorry about that. Um but it went for a Burger King app, right? By the way, Tony Cantwell is for sale, and just to give you an idea, I did two voiceovers on Friday, so I'm very good at what I do and I'm in high demand, so get onto Voice Bank. Uh, I, if you're interested in getting me for that now listen as well <laughs> now come back to me uh, I did a voiceover uh, and I did one you know in a booth you know you do it in the, bo- the booth it's it's like it's like watching Toast Toast of London you're in there you're in the booth you're, it's kind of more isolated now you know you go into the booth they're talking to you you have people on Zoom or, or Skype and they're kind of telling you how, what kind of read they want of the thing you have a sound engineer they count you in they say right do it that was good can we try something a little bit different that's great can we do high energy okay good they always say good or great because I'm sensational. Honestly, I'm really, really good at what I do. Um, they, so they say yeah, that's fine, and then uh, they'll say, right, that's that's good. We have that, you know. Or this has to now be 15 seconds. Can we get an alternate take on that? And there's loads that goes into it. It is it is a genuinely collaborative process. So that was fine. So then I did another voiceover that was not in a recording booth. Basically, I was doing another voiceover, and they said that if you, um, they said, oh, they want to record this in their office, and I'm like, oh, cool. Must be like one of these agencies. I bet it's like cribs, you know, where you go in and it's like you know, oh, here's the cinema, you know, here's the bloody, here's the the canteen, you know, like like you know, like Run's house, you know, where it's canteen, and then you go into you know the home studio, you know, it's a booth or whatever. Um, so like I'm sure it's going to be like that. So I went in, you know, and you know they were it was very COVID. It was very you know, who'd you see? Do you have any symptoms? Um. Someone as well was all like, Tony Cantwell uh, from the theatre. I remember you. I'm like, no, 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 not really. Unless you saw my incredible uh, performance as one of the twins in Trial of the Centuries in the Dublin Fringe two years ago. I was like, no, no, no. Um, No. uh, Oh, what, what agent are you with? And I said, I'm with Aviary Talent. That's my agency. And she goes, no, no, no. Where did we? What play were we? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about and i'm late <laughs> i didn't say that but i was like i don't know what i don't I'm, with the greatest respect madam i don't know what you're talking about um and then she's asking me who'd you see what you do have you been scoring any viruses and i'm like no i didn't score any viruses right and then i had to do like show I was washing my hands i had to uh they took my temperature with on my forehead and i was like, going right, fine right what is fine you know and then I tried to crack a little joke to the guy bringing me in. And I was like, oh, have you caught anyone with the old virus yet? And he goes like, no, but we have to be very thorough. And I'm like, all right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I went in. And I went into this office. And man's walking me to the back of the office. And I'm like, all right, where's the booth, right? So he walks me down to the end of the office. And in the, off- in the back of the office, right, and big open plan, everyone's just sitting around at their desk, right? Few people looked up, you know. They could tell they were fans. They were fans, you know. Plun, um, you know. They walked me down to the back of the office, and um, he's like, "Right, so can you just go in there?" And he fucking points me into like a, a wardrobe, right? And he's he, he getting getting there. I was like, "All, all right." And why? He, what they'd set up, right? What they'd MacGyvered, right? To save a to save fifty quid, <laughs> to save fifty quid of studio time was a wardrobe, essentially. A little kind of like, you know, well, I think it's one of these things that you make phone calls. It was like a phone booth, right? And in there was a bunch of sellotaped uh, sponges in there. And they were like, okay, can you just read the, there's a the script. So just whenever, and I'm like, okay, okay. Um, How long, how long is it? And he's like, 30 seconds. And like normally, this is gonna sound like I'm a diva here, right? This is gonna sound like I'm a diva, but normally what you have is at least a visual cue to show how how long it is. You can see the you know the the recording time, you know, so you know how long you're going. um normally, you can have headphones so you can hear your own voice and you can hear someone else on the outside. um normally, you have like you know a little thing to prop up the script. You know, but this was honestly a war. It's not even the fact that it was a wardrobe. It was just the fact that I was standing in a wardrobe, reading this copy out, right with like calling all trades people. You know, and it was. Uh, but in the middle of the office, where it was revealed to me later on, which I kind of got an idea that there was you know fans of this part. How are you doing? Hi guys. I'm not having a go. I'm not having a go at your closet, right? I'm not. It's just not. What- it's not what I'm used to, right? Um. And I go, I go in and I'm reading out the copy and all the sponges are like falling off. So I'm like kind of propping these sponges up in my arms while trying to read this. Is this a, you know, where's Ashton? Am I being punked? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know how interesting of a story this. But anyway, I did a voiceover in a wardrobe. And by the way, I am for sale. Check me out on Voice Bank for all of your, you know, whatever <laughs> voice, voice needs. But I never say anything. I just never say anything. Do you know what I mean? But what would I say? Build a studio for me? <laughs> My name is Mariah Carey, by the way. Build a studio for me. Um, but see, I never, I never say, like, it's like it's like when I go to the, like, and I'm a coward as well. Like, I, I, I couldn't even, like, had I just gone in there and just kind of slagged it, you know what I mean? It just, you know, been like, it was a wardrobe, is it? <laughs> you're not, you're not going to lock this and fuck it into the Liffey when I'm in the area, you know, some some really funny joke like that, you know. up there's no bloody sharks and the, there's no gay sh- Jaws in the Liffey. Just get in the fucking booth. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Um, and also, you know, I do have the facilities here in... The Mighty Podcast Studios, where my manners over the wall picking up shite. I am here recording from you for you live. Are you a small, medium, or large sized van? Well, then I highly recommend you recording something here in the podcast studios. I recorded another voiceover. Here in the podcast studios for something else. They have voiceover facilities here. They have podcasting facilities. As I said, he had Hall Martin, can I call you please? Uh, in here, ch- chatting to my peer. He's also my peer because I'm a Republic figures. He's chatting to my other peer, Stephanie Preisner. Um, it's a who's who of whom's in here. Uh, and unlike a wardrobe they have fine recording facilities here on the pond in uh, i'm not recording this again the pond studios pierce street uh, and i highly recommend you give them a shot they've always been very good to me that's why i like to bring them up they've been very good with access to their facilities here um so i do like to bring them up and if you're interested in recording that and i highly recommend you do it here at the podcast studios um but anyway, despite that, and I know I'm know i not mean to shine on about this wardrobe so much, but you know, it's great, it's great to be working. Just great to be working. Do you know what I mean? Just great to be working. Um, yeah, I should have just been like, hey, this is fucking weird to get into a wardrobe here. You know what I mean? Coming out. Hey, I'll be bloody here. What hey, am what I? What are my gay jaws? Because I'm coming out of the fucking closet. <laughs> I'm coming out of the wardrobe. <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> although Bruce, famously quite a gay, um, whatever, name. So maybe maybe he was, you know. Um, anyway, so I got I got to be in a bit of art uh, in uh, over the weekend. I was in a bit of art with artists like myself, peers, artistic people like myself, um, as part of Lancome's uh, a national disgrace show, um, and it was very fucking cool. Lancome, you might remember from this podcast, I pulled a fucking greener at the gig, um, pulled a greener at the gig. Um, and um, they asked if I wanted to be one of the featured players. Basically, they were going for this kind of, like, very high concept, and a fair fucks to the production company, Tenth Man, for turning this thing around. I, I couldn't, but I, when I saw the breakdown, the production schedule, I was like, whoa, this will be interesting. And they did it, and they pulled it off, this, you know, otherworldly, ethereal POV concert experience, and it was very impressive. So basically, the whole thing is you are the one person going to the gig in the Abbey. You get out of the taxi. You're, you know, you see Acid Granny playing some tunes. You see Sean Fitzgerald bringing you in. He's the local ballad tour of Dublin. If you haven't seen Dublin ballad tours, whenever they start again, you should check them out. Um, and you're brought to the gig. You watch the gig. The first part of the gig is four songs all linked together as one piece. They made a special piece for the gig. All the band members and all the other additional guest uh, members of the band who've uh, added stuff to the album. And it's just fucking, I mean, the tunes are fucking powerful to begin with. Very unnerving, very beautiful, very exciting, most exciting stuff. I don't know much about folk. I haven't even been to a proper fucking, trad, I haven't seen any proper trance sessions. But it's very impressive. Uh, they're a very impressive band. And so what they were having as well was just other people throw in little bits. Um, so it was cool. It was cool to be amongst my peers, Kneecap, the Merry Wallopers, uh, you know, uh, Hugh Cooney, my friend and peer. Um and it was cool to do a piece, basically they were they'd said, if you whatever you wanna do, just just fuck around, whatever you want to fuck around. So they were gonna re- record something in a dressing room. I was gonna act like I was preparing for a role, you know, I was gonna get into this whole fucking, you know, treading the boards and the bard and the work of Shakespeare and just shy on like that. I didn't have plan, really. And then they said, You wanna do something in the prop room? And I'm like, prop comedy? Don't you know that I'm the Irish carrot top? So yes so they gave me the prop room i got onto Emer in the abbey thanks to my friend sal uh who is a costume designer uh she got on to uh the 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 actual prop master uh Emer in the abbey and um and i feel bad because basically i played a creepy prop man right i played a creepy prop man who wasn't wearing any trousers who was dancing around with creepy dolls right it's like this is just when i can't think of anything else i'm like whatever I'm going to take my trousers off and go and dance around with some dolls. The height of comedy. Too fucking raw for morning radio, right? Um, and it was great. And so thank you very much to Emer and the Abbey and Sal. They laid out loads of different creepy stuff. They told me there was rosaries in there. There was weird dolls. There was jars and everything like that. And I just kind of had fun in there. And it was fun. It was fun. I had to do like a monologue and it was all one take. And what was cool about it was it was just a concert film that if this thing... Had come out in the '80s would have fucking blown people away, but because of technology and the accessibility of DSLRs and lenses and you know audio equipment, you know even if you just go on YouTube and it's you could want you know some of the, some of the vloggers is like feature film quality, feature film quality, but um it's just so incredible that it's a shame that people aren't being paid as much for music. That is a shame that this band arguably one of the best bands in Ireland at the moment, aren't living in, you know, mansion. They should be in a mansion. They had to do this gig so that they could kind of recoup, I don't know if they had to necessarily recoup expenses from the American tour, but the American tour was cancelled. You know, they took a hit. These are some of the best musicians in the country. They should be able to, you know, they should be able to live a fairly blessed life. They should be getting paid directly. But having said that, it is amazing how the power of, Output has just been totally decentralised. The fact that they could literally live stream a gig, shot all in one take, get other people in, and literally turn this around just a couple of days—I think it's phenomenal. And it was very inspiring. It was very inspiring just to see that there are pieces like that that can be made, you know. And I know that I this this the job that I do is the podcast. This is the thing that I love doing. I love doing this probably more than anything else. But it, you know, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can delude myself to call this as much as I do to my wife when I'm drunk, call this art. Um, I mean, I do think I do genuinely sometimes, right. You know, I might be having a couple of pints, points, uh, but like, if you think about this, right, I would probably conveniently listen to talking Sopranos, the podcast where Michael Imperioli and the other fella, uh, discuss episodes of Sopranos they were in then actually sit down and watch an episode of Sopranos. I will sit down and watch an hour-long red-letter media video of two men discussing their top five Star Trek Next Generation episodes. And I might watch that rather than a full episode of Star Trek. Because at that time in my life, that, to me, is more interesting and more enjoyable and more gratifying to me than watching an hour of star trek in some realm in some realm of appreciation it is better than star trek so of everything that went into that at the end of the to- at the end of the day you know an hour went by and i chose one thing to focus on that hour than the other but both required effort input of varying degrees so this is fucking art this if and technically do you know what as I said as he used to say in the early podcasts um, this is now this podcast has more is longer than all of the Star Wars films combined you know and there are to be fair to be fair there are people who listen to this podcast who don't like Star Wars to them this podcast is better now look I'm just saying I need to actually I want to I want to start making things again Look, I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that, um, you know, (laughs) people enjoy things on different levels and, you know, someone might want to sit down and listen to my, listen to three of my podcasts rather than watch the Irishman is all I'm saying. All right. That's all I'm saying. These, this podcast is better than Martin Scorsese. Anyway. So, yeah, basically, I'm just on my creative soapbox, guys. Just make good art. Do you know what I mean? Just make good art. You know, oh, it's just in your grasp to make it. Look, I'm not getting on a fucking soapbox here. I'm just saying that it's cool that, you know, like you have every tool in Photoshop. You have every tool in fucking iMovie that people didn't have. And it's just incredible that people can make stuff like that. And it's just cool to collab. And I was impressed with the turnaround. Honestly, they turned it around in such a quick time. I just love the whole let's do something this weekend. And however it works, that was the piece. That's just it's cool, and I want to start making um, making more stuff. But as well as that, I was on the way in here, um, and I got an email, and I was all like, "That is a good looking email." <laughs> uh, if, if 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 that email walked into a bar and I was eating a sausage, it would go. Roop! I would lift the sausage up uh, in my teeth. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, it was just a good-looking email, and I realized I, I, I still look, I still get excited by a good formatted email that has that ticks all the right points for me. So I, 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 I if you're playing Tony Cantwell shit show bingo, I'm about to bring up that I used to work in sales, right? Take a shot. There you go, right? I'm bloody join you, me, wide boy, London boy, liquid lunch. Huh? Look, 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 look. You know I was a wide boy. I used to be a wide boy in, um, in London. I was a bit of a Dell. Dell. I was a bit of an adele. <laughs> Someone like you. I was a plonker. Rodney, you plonker. I, I used to work in sales. Um and looking at this email reminded me that there are probably things I do formatting-wise with emails. Um things that I picked up and things that I learned from sales that'll probably stick with me forever. And they and I probably and I've actually applied some of the things in growing social media things and there are other aspects in terms of work ethic, that I've applied to other aspects of it. And I was going to tell you about some of my little top tips that I picked up from a life in sales with me, Tony do, 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 do. Um But I'll give you a brief history of my my sales jobs, right? So my first bit of sales that I did, right, I used to work in this call center. I brought it up on the podcast before. It's the call center that was a charity call center that got shut down by the Daily Mail. It was part of an expose piece, because some of the trainers were teaching people that they should not take no for an answer from pensioners, and unfortunately, I mean, it was unfortunate to begin with. No one really enjoyed doing it. Basically, it was a call centre lost souls. It was people who were still trying to make it in comedy, were still trying to make it as actors, were pe- people who needed the flexibility that at the drop of a hat they could go to an audition, and it was great. A lot of them went on to huge success. Um, you know, a lot of the people were still treading the boards, treading water. You know, uh, with the greatest respect. With the greatest respect, because there was lovely people there. Um, and so they were just kind of, it was a means to an end. And it was so flexible. Like, literally, I, I would just not show, I just wouldn't show up. just wouldn't show up. And I might not show up for a week. And then I'd have to make up the hours by working every single day, you know. Or you might just be late and be like, well, I'm late now. So I might just go to the zoo instead. Um, it was a job that I got through, like, a temp agency. And they didn't look at anything. They didn't look at anything. I just needed a job fast. And I literally got it that day. And in my group to pass the test, there was like, you know, um, like there was a guy who there was a guy there who who robbed uh, an an old woman. He broke into an old woman's house, uh, tied her up and stole her stuff. And he he was training me in how to ask for money off old people. (laughs) Um, uh, Well, it's not funny. It's not funny. So around the same time of this expose, there was a thing where a horrible story where this pensioner had actually taken her own life and on her phone was loads of calls from charity organizations. And she had apparently been telling her family that for ages she couldn't give. She just couldn't give. She just couldn't give any more, and felt guilty about it. And she took her life. So basically this happened with this woman. And that very day, this young, very beautiful woman, a very attractive woman, showed up at the call center. She had a degree in journalism, and she was she wasn't the sort of she wasn't the sort of person who you would think had previously broken into an old woman's house and robbed her. Um, you know, she wasn't the sort of woman. She didn't seem like the sort of woman who needed to go through a temp agency to get this job. Um, and she was great at the job. And it turns out she was asking a lot of questions. She used to ask a lot of questions. Why do we do that? Is that not a bit bad? Can I get you on record about what you think about that? She literally, she couldn't have been more obviously a reporter if she had worn a big fucking Homer Simpson buzzing hat on the top of her head. Seriously. She was so clearly a reporter. But no one was like, it's great. Look at the sort of people we're getting in here. So. She was asking everyone, and funnily enough, she was uh, recording everything. She had a little spy camera, and she was recording everything. She got a one of the trainers to say something like, you know, I don't care if they're 90, I don't care if they're 100, I don't care if they got one leg they can give. She got one of the other guys uh, to say, you know, when you ask them three times, it's like, mm, punching them, hit them, hit them, so that they can't say no. Like, it was... It's only when you're outside that you realize that was a fucking deplorable. And this place was fucking wild, man. I remember at the Christmas party one time, I heard stories. You know, you know when people always say, like, you know when you start a new job and you meet the guy and they're like, oh, you should have been here two years ago, man. This place was so, this place is so shit now. Oh, man. Oh, man. This place used to be great. We'd work pints on Friday and stuff. The stories I used to hear about this place was that they, they would just get on the bag take pills and just cane through fucking numbers calling people. Mate, we used to have this rule, right? We used to have this fucking rule that was like no powders before 3 p.m. because we were fucking wild, mate. And I was like, wow. Well, that is so not the, you know, I used to have to ask, you had to ask permission to go to the toilet. So anyway, it was fucking wild. So that got, so I left there, right? I just, Left there, didn't go back, decided I need to find a new job, and that got shut down within a month of me leaving. And I went into this other sales, and it was just a small startup, right? And I went into this startup, and this startup had just started a sales team, just started an outbound sales team. Normally, with like a startup, it's like, right, we have the thing, we have the concept, we're going based on reference. And then they were like, right, we're actually going to get a sales team to start calling around and looking for kind of outbound sales rather than having people apply via a landing page, they might get the website, they might put in their details and someone might call them back. We're actually going to be calling people directly, cold calling in some cases to ask people. So I started in this company and there was like three of us. Um, And I was shit. I was shit as well. I was shit as well. Um, But for whatever reason, uh, I was shit. And then they started investing a lot into Facebook ads and marketing. And there were so many leads coming in that we just couldn't keep up. There was just people desperate to buy the product, and I would just be one of the people calling. And because I was the third salesperson there, I got very quickly promoted to be a manager, um, and then at one point was just running an entire sales department. Um and like, I'm not trying to deny poo-poo, you know, because I was all right. You know, people actually enjoyed talking to Irish people, you know, at least in this regard. When I was calling in the call center, actually calling some of the pensioners, they were quite racist. They were quite racist to me. You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying they deserved that, but they were quite racist to me. A few of them used to say, well, can I say, you sound like you've been licking the blarney stone a bit long. I'm like, why? So I was with the sales company for about three years. And it was one of these things where I had to actually, it actually changed my perception on like for whatever reason i just had look if you have a regular job and you fucking play sports or something it was something left over from being from forgetting my pe gear in third year there was something that was like you know inside where like you know you have those like the pixar film and you have memories and then you have these like core memories these like defining shapes you know that for the rest of your life just there was something in maybe someone in a fucking man united kit slagged me off about something and it was like you play football you might work in sales you might be some conformist i'm a rocker and then anyone even remin anyone even in that kind of you know normal job like sports wheelhouse is now somehow a different they're on they're on a different you know plane you know uh, maybe I'm not saying a higher or lower plane, but just you're over there and I'm over here with the freaks, with the weirdos or something like that, right? So getting this job in sales was just just a fucking, everyone's just a fucking sound bunch of people. Like, yeah, like there's no clicks. There's no crews. There's no, like, there's the creatives. There's the, there's the, you know, the admin. There's the developers. There's the salespeople. Everyone's just the same. There's just different jobs people do. And the job is not the thing that defines you. Um, so it was a big revelation to do that and also just to be, to willingly be part of a team. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Now sales gets a bad rap. In, in uh, family fortune, uh, we played a game and it was like the, the three most hated jobs in the world. And it was like real estate agent, um, ticket, you know, parking ticket collector and then salesperson. You know, for whatever reason, salespeople get a bad rap. And I understand you see that fucking Wolf of Wall Street stuff. One of the managers we had actually bought tickets for fucking Jordan Belfort. I think I mentioned that on the podcast before as a sales incentive. We're all going to see the fucking wolf. He, he he watched. He didn't get the irony of Wolf of Wall Street. He was like, just give me Give me that. I want exactly as that is. I want that. Um, But this is not a whole breakdown of me working in sales. This is me going to talk about some of the things that I picked up in sales that I find myself applying. This is not some, you know, I'm not an expert in everything, but a couple of things that I realized after sending hundreds of emails, thousands of hours on the phone, thousands of emails, thousands of hours on the phone, um communication things that generate a response and get a response from people. That's what I'm going to talk about, right? It's me Tony Wideboy and I'm going to tell you about it, right? So it's Tony Wideboy. Oi. Oi, I have a word. Oi, liquid lunch. Glug, 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 glug. I'm a city boy. So when I was a city boy, I learned a couple of things, right? I'm going to break this down. I'm going to talk about emails. I'm going to talk about calls. I'm Gary Vee now all of a sudden. I'm going to talk about emails. I'm going to talk about calls. I'm going to talk about hiring, right? And the things that I learned in each one of these things. And yeah, I think you can apply this to your social media. And I think you can apply this if you're growing a business. And I think you can apply this in your personal life. So talking about emails, right? I got an email today and it was a sexy email. Do you know why? Because it said, "Hey, how's it going? I'm this person that matters because this, as in that, it, why I'm messaging you is because of this. In that's in relation to I'm this person. How that relates to you is this. Would you be into doing this? It'd be at this time for this amount of money. Yeah, no, you up? It was just short, right? Like I totally. I think a lot of people sometimes think when right. This is an email, right? They're gonna read this email." They may never speak to me again. I need to get. I need to give them the dragon's den pitch in this email. I need to get to their emotion. And at the end of the day, you know what it's like reading emails. You know what it's like reading emails. You know what it's like scrolling, and you know what your. And also, where is your brain when it's reading emails? It's in kind of like work mode, and it's in kind of like how can I file this onto something else? Do I write back to this? Do I archive this? Is this a priority? This email is likely wedged in between two scalding hot priorities, but if it appears like a text, and if it appears quip, quippy, if it appears quibby, if it has a link to a quibby page, if it's quick and it's easy, and as well if there's a call to action which is just all it needs a yes or no, then that makes it easier. The proposal is you're all, like you're almost there. It's just yeah, do you want that? Do you don't want that? You want to make this proposal just as simple as like I can yeah, Blech. you know, as easy as that. Or no, a lot of people don't, a lot of people won't write back because they're like, okay, this has been this kind of, I this was an email that a lot someone put a lot of work into. So I need to repay that respect by taking time as well to respond to this. And what that means is I'm never going to respond, but it's not no. Or maybe it is no, but I'm, you know. So I have certainly found having something that is, would you be interested in this? It's cool because this, do you want it at this time, at this place? Yeah or no? You know, do you want that? Uh, I've just found is, because this is the thing, right? I think when you're soliciting something off someone, right, people want to, people don't want to miss out, right? I've noticed when people were flying in Edinburgh, a very effective tactic is, oh, do you have one of these yet? Have you seen this one yet? You don't, people don't want people to be missing out, right? So similarly, people want to kind of hop on the bandwagon of something that's already a success, right? So an email that says, this is a cool thing. Do you want a part of it? This is why it's it, this is why it might suit you. Do you want to be in? It's so like people want to hop on the bandwagon, right? But if it's a thing being like, we are looking to collaborate. You seem like someone who would be interested in, should we maybe chat maybe about coming up with some idea for something, you know, then it's kind of like, well, I, I wanna hop on the bandwagon. I don't wanna fucking build the thing. Do you know what I mean? I don't wanna I don't wanna you know I don't wanna paint the wagon. I don't wanna paint a wagon. You know what I mean? I don't wanna paint a wagon. But if it's this bandwagon's fucking moving and I and I can I get to hop on it and then I can hop off when I want. Speaking of bandwagon, as you know, I'm at war with the bandwagon, the girls from the bandwagon podcast, from bandwagons, um there was a, uh, They sent some of their people to uh, to troll me online uh, to say things like I was stealing their their material, um, their their topic ideas because we have some overlap of interest with um, with um, you know reality TV shows and things like that. So um, yeah, apparently we're feuding. We're feuding now. Um, but I will just say this: I don't listen to podcasts, and if I did, I certainly wouldn't listen to Bandwagon. So that's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about the, the uh, uh, and breed. On the bandwagon podcast. Um, So another thing on emails. I think emails are like texts, right? It should just be, hey, you up? And then if you can get them on the phone or you can meet them in person, then, and also be courteous of their time, but definitely if you're meeting someone in person. If you're meeting someone in person, that is the ultimate, this is what it is. Do you want to get on board with it? You know, not when I think we might maybe collab on, you know, do you want to, do you want to hop on this fucking thing? You know, and that's the sex and then the following text is like, "Don't tell anyone about this." No, you The following text is like, "That was real special." You know, the emails should just be sandwiched in between the sex. I think, right? It should just be, "Hey, you up?" It's a story, and then get had sex, and then, "Hey, that was great." That was great because of X, Y, and Z. And these are the minutes of the meeting. These are the minutes of the ride that we had. Right? Um, that's what I found myself from. Sales experience liking about emails that I see now. Is this interesting for anyone? I don't know. This is still something they say this is still part of me. This is still fucking part of me. Gary, you're not fucking getting one in here, right? Um Let's talk about calls for a second, right? Let's talk about fucking calls for a second. Hey, guess what? You're a young person, likely, if you're listening to this, um, which means you and your peers don't make phone calls, right? You don't make phone calls, which means that if you made phone calls, that you would actually probably stand out above everyone else who doesn't make phone calls. After managing sales teams, right, and at one time I was managing a team of fifteen people, but we would always see this with the other sales managers when he looked at all the performance indicators, um, and that would be how many how many people they called, how much minutes on the how many minutes on the phone they spent, uh, and then what how many leads they converted. These are how many people they could call and how many they converted of that. Uh, the person who made the most sales was the person who called the most people, and it wasn't always the best call. We even had at one point the the calls being uh, uh graded and ranked and it wasn't always the best call. It wasn't always the best email, there was often typos, not even every single person was gone back to, but every single the every single time the person who had made the most calls had made the most sales. Every single time. So that applies just to I mean, I'm not fucking Mark Wahlberg here, right? I'm not fucking Mark Wahlberg here telling you that fucking do the work or whatever like that. But The actual reach and the personal output. I, when I applied that similar thing, when, um, or at least I had that in my mind when I was trying to grow my Facebook page. And I, firstly, when I set up a public page, this is before I put anything out on it, right? Maybe put the old things that I had on my private page. When I put videos out on my Facebook page, which sounds like fucking, you know, fucking stone age now. It was about three years ago. And it seems like the fucking stone age that I was putting stuff out on Facebook. Anyway, I messaged everyone in my friend group and family group and I asked them to follow the page and then lo- and then asked them to, if they could recommend it to someone else. And that got me to at least a couple of hundred before I, it was anyone I didn't know. So a lot of people don't necessarily flex the group that they actually know for like I bet there's podcasts out there, right, that um have that have an Instagram page maybe of 200 people that follow, which is still a big number. If you manage an Instagram page, imagine that, like standing in front of an auditorium of 200 people just to show them a post, just to show them a picture. It's a huge amount of people, right? But I I reckon there are podcasts that have hosts, maybe three hosts in it. Maybe it's a video game podcast with three hosts. I reckon between the three of them, they know more than 200 people who have an Instagram account, but they haven't hit those people up first that they actually have that will definitely get on board with that similarly when the soft drink video went really well and everyone that liked the page was more than the people who actually followed me to see more so i messaged every single person who liked that there was a thing you couldn't do it automatically so you had to go in and go through all the likes and to page invite to page invite to page invite to page and if you're setting up a youtube page or you're trying to migrate from one social media over to the other i mean you could probably manually get out you know 100 or 200 messages to people and grow your base, you know, from one social media platform to the other by reaching more people. The fact of the matter is, you're going to get better growth by literally physically speaking to more people. That's something that I realized in that, right? And I don't take that for granted. Is this any good? Is this interesting? Is this any interesting for you? Um, hiring, right? I had to hire people and I hired some shit people and I also told people not to hire people who turned out to be the best salespeople that there were. So don't ask me and about hiring because I don't fucking know but what I will tell you is this we looked at first who would be the best this may be something you could use for an interview well it might just quell anxiety about feeling inadequate about going into a job that maybe you don't you don't think you're right for right? Um, you'll never be put in a situation starting any job where it's like, OK, it's your first day. You need to know as much as every other person here. Otherwise, everyone's going to die. That's not a situation, right? Even if you're a fucking paramedic or anything like that, you'll be trained up until you're at the same level as everyone else. You're still going to be learning from the first day. You go in to learn, right? But the biggest thing that people get hired on is if there's someone they'd like to hang out with. So think about that when you're kind of going into an interview. You know, I know I said that I learned that tip about going into an interview and uh, and trying to make them feel like it's your home, like it's you're welcoming them into your home. And I don't mean like you go in there in your boxers or you go in there with your lad out or anything like that. But I mean, more so like try and act as if you're trying to make sure they're as comfortable as they can be. And that and that might not come across in that and you say, but it'll definitely come across in your energy and your vibe. And we only hired people that first and foremost we think people can hang out with. It would go, are they sound enough that we think they'd be sound enough to hang out here? Um similarly, are they do they have the experience? And then the third thing would be maybe education. So just keep in mind. Keep in mind uh that if you're going for a job that you don't think you're competent for, just the biggest thing is just do you think they'd enjoy hanging out with you? White boy, Tony. Tommy. Tommy, white boy. Um, so there, I don't know if that's any interest to you, but I was thinking about it on the way in here. It's a part of me. Look, it's a part of me. It's just like my glasses and my big luscious lips and my lovely hair. Speaking of which, I had a lovely haircut. And I want to give a shout out to the barbers, to Joe, in Faction, in Dublin, on Crow Street. Um, I've been looking for years for a long-haired lover farmer live Liverpool. From a long-haired barber. I like the barber environment. Um, I like the laid-back nature of it. And uh, Joe, in Faction, is a fabulous long-haired barber. Does men's, does women's. So I highly recommend you check them out. He also really inspired me to take up skateboarding again. He himself has only recently gone back into skateboarding. Look, he didn't even know the ins and outs, but it was a good... So it was a very enjoyable barber experience, you know? And as I've said on this pod, I've had some terrible experiences. I had your man who refused uh, to cut my Flight of Seagull's hairdo. He has this big, massive, just, or it was more misfits, this misfits. He cut my hair short, but he just left this kind of dangling rat's tail on the front of my head, right? And he charged me like 60 pounds. And I was like, all right, yeah. He's like, do you like it? And I was like, yeah. Now, would you mind just cutting that thing off the front? And he goes, I'm going to leave that there. And... um, and, uh, and he wouldn't cut it, and I had to cut it off when I went home. Another experience as well, my mate Kolo, when he was an apprentice barber and temple barber, right? I said I wanted like a, like a, a quiff, right? It was the style at the time. I wanted a big quiff, right? Um, and I think I'd seen some picture of my granddad, uh, and he was like a teddy boy, right? And he had like this massive quiff, right? And it was like a duck arse quiff, right? It uh, looks, looks like the, the arse end of a duck and a big massive tall quiff and he obviously looked great because he was wearing like a cool suit he was a hip cat it was the 50s you know he had like black and white brogues you know he was sitting next to a motorbike it looked cool right now I just said to call out. I wanted a bit of a quiff right but then I went in um, and his manager was there and he's like what sort of quiff are you, you, you talking about and I'm like well I kind of saw it in my this picture of my granddad and he was like a teddy boy and your man's like right gotcha don't worry about it right and I was there for about two hours right and he gave me the biggest fucking, it was just the largest quiff. And I was looking at it like, and it just, it did not belong on a 17-year-old boy. Do you know what I mean? Just did not belong on a 17-year-old boy. It was just this massive fucking quiffy duck arse. It just went all, it went about, about a foot high. And he just kept back it and back home and make it even bigger and bigger. And I was just wearing fucking, whatever like like a hoodie or something like that and like baggy trousers and like like i did i wasn't i wasn't kitted out in all the gear do you know what i mean so i literally walk out of this place down the street with this massive fucking quip and again similarly you know it was a free haircut but i tipped him as well i was like thanks, thanks very much i just can't say no i can't, why can't i say no why can't i say no why can't i just like the emails be direct say no why can't I say, this is a wardrobe? You're asking me to do a voiceover in a wardrobe. No. Like, I think if someone was like, okay, so you're just going to take that gun there. And if you just point it there at the lamb and just, if you, if you pull, if you squeeze, so underneath the uh, the, the kind of chamber, you should have a little squeezy bit. If you just squeeze that there, I'd probably be like, okay, all right there. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's the podcast. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. If you would like more, if you just cannot get enough of this art that is as good as The Irishman, then you can get more of it over on the Patreon. There's over 30 episodes that are exactly, I I wish they were shitter. Like I wish, I, I wish they were just shite podcasts, but they're not. I put as much effort into them as I do these podcasts. It is not just some extra thrown in, them. There are actual 30 episodes of the podcast over there, and you can check them out. Uh, coming up this Friday, uh, myself and director Fergal Costello, BAFTA award-winning director, will be discussing The Last of Us and the best games of this generation of consoles. He already came on before. We talked about The Last of Us. I didn't record it properly. I wasted a BAFTA award-winning director's time, um, but he is very courteously uh, said he will come back. So that's going to be on the podcast on Friday, next Tuesday, where I'll see you next Tuesday. If you, if, you, if you don't want to go over there and support that, that's fine. I'll see you here next Tuesday where I will be announcing the new name of the Tony Cantwell shit show. So you can look forward to that. Um, And listen, guys, I love you. All the best. Take care.